0: For your endless mercy follows me. Your goodness will lead me home. Lord, please, tonight, give each of us a vision of your endless mercy. A vision of how your mercy follows us. And how you will take us home. Show us the Lord Jesus Christ. Warm our hearts. And send us out tonight as changed people, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, sports journalists were on the edge of their seat. They simply could not wait to see who Warren Gatland would choose for the Lions Tour this summer. Now, I'm aware whenever I use sporting illustrations, vast majority are going to stare at, me, stare at me blankly. So, let me explain rugby to you. <laughs> rugby is a game with an oval-shaped ball. And what makes the, the Lions Tour so important is that you take the very best players from England, and from Wales, and from Ireland, and then you take them on tour to New Zealand. You see, it, it, should, it should be the case that you take Scottish players as well. But unfortunately for this year, uh, we're deciding only to take two Scottish players. It's a squad of 41, and uh, we've signed to only take two Scottish players players, uh, um, it's because um, they're not very good. Um, and, and really, that's, that's, that's how the, the media has responded to, to uh, Warren Gatland's choice of squad. The message is clear. Scotland, you're unwanted. They simply aren't good enough. I know, Callum, it's very raw. It's very raw. Choosing, choosing teams can be painful, can't it? Um, you might still have... Um, flashbacks of the school playground you know when uh, team captains they they, they chose teams do you still have flashbacks of this and uh, they they pick all the players and you're left there standing at the end on your own and then the team captains then decide which of them has to have you on (laughs) on their team maybe that was you the message is clear isn't it you're unwanted you simply are not good enough now, we might have very little sympathy for the athletically challenged. Tough luck, we might say. That's just the way the world is. Kids need to learn how to compete. It's, a, it's the five survival of the fittest. But I, I, I constantly meet people who, who kind of carry around with them through life this sense of rejection. Perhaps they're struggling to find work. Perhaps they're struggling to find love. Perhaps they're struggling to find a sense of belonging. And they feel unwanted. They feel that they're not good enough. And that feeling haunts them throughout life. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's you here this evening. So today we're asking a simple question. Who does Jesus want for his kingdom, as Jesus is journeying towards Jerusalem on tour, if you like, who does he want on his team? Well, let's dive into our passage. It's uh, Luke chapter nineteen, page one zero five three. And first, we're going to meet a sinner shut off from seeing the saviour. I kind of went mad on alliteration tonight. I've got to apologise for that in advance. Normally, preachers they like alliteration. I went way overboard tonight. Um, forgive me in advance. First we're going to meet a sinner. Shut off from seeing the Saviour. Verse 1. Let down with me. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd so once again we meet jesus on the road to jerusalem he's told us he's he's heading there to bring in the kingdom of god and just like a a royal procession today we can imagine all the crowds have gone out to see jesus Uh, you can imagine that the children at the side of the road waving their flags or little palm branches whatever they did back then to show sort of national appreciation of their king they're really eager to see jesus the son of man the king of kings coming through but there's one man there who can't see anything and it's not because he's blind like like the man we met on the road last week now this man can't see because the crowd won't let him see and given what we're told about Zacchaeus I'm not surprised We're given a number of details about him. Notice his location. He lives in Jericho. Now, throughout the Bible, Jericho is synonymous with God's curse. It's a bad place full of bad people. Jericho, dubious location. But more than that, his job is dubious too. Now, you might say, surely, surely there's nothing wrong with working for HMRC. Nothing wrong with working for the Inland Revenue, surely. Surely. But, um, but, but put yourself in, back then in their situation. Being a Jewish man, Zacchaeus would have been taking money off his own people, the nation of Israel, and then giving it to their Roman oppressors. It's a bit like a, a imagine a Jew in World War II Germany doing that for the Nazis. You kind of get a feeling of how people would have felt about him. And Zacchaeus is no minor tax collector, simply following orders. Yes, sir, yes, sir. No, we're told he's the chief tax collector, meaning he's the biggest traitor of them all. So his location is dubious, his job is dubious, and his character is dubious as well. We're told he's rich, that he's wealthy, which means it kind of indicates he's corrupt. Romans, they wouldn't play tax collectors very much, they would clip stuff off the side, take their commission. He's corrupt. And so all of that, it's with some irony that his name is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus means clean, innocent. When everybody knew Zacchaeus was dirty and guilty. Everybody knew it. Now naturally, I'm I'm, I'm usually a champion for the vertically challenged. I want to stand up here and, uh, and give a shout out to my shorter brethren. But, it, but it's almost as if Zacchaeus' short stature is kind of a metaphor for everything we've heard about him already. Here is a seedy little man living in a bad town who is looked down on by everybody. So in verse 3, the crowd blocking Zacchaeus's view its not an accident. Oops, sorry, mate. I didn't see you there. Come on through. It's not an accident at all. The language here is explicit. What they're doing is quite deliberate. Zacchaeus can't see because the crowd won't let him see. We can imagine being shoved or pushed aside. We can imagine the children hissing or spitting at him. A bit like people might do a paedophile or a rapist today. So what does Zacchaeus do? Does he swallow his pride does he give up and go home well strangely he embarrasses himself even further look at verse four so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see jesus since jesus was coming that way Now, as a general rule in the ancient near east men of high office do not run how undignified running and certainly they do not climb trees. This is humiliating. It's like imagine a high court judge pegging it down the road and climbing a tree. This is embarrassing. It's childlike. Yet these are the depths that Zacchaeus is willing to go to to see Jesus. Because the crowd won't let him see. How tragic it is when people are made to feel that Jesus is not for them. I once met a lady who told me about uh, how she visited a church. She hadn't been to church in a long, long while, so she's, she felt quite a lot of anxiety about going along. She, she felt like a real sinner, and she kind of had to psych herself up to go through the doors. She told me she burned through half a pack of cigarettes just walking between her house and to the church. She was so nervous about going in. She felt so unworthy she was worried about what people think about her. She was a single, unemployed mum. And she got there. And she walked through the doors. But sadly, she felt so looked down on by the people she met, she told me she'll never, ever enter the doors of a church ever again. Like Sakia, she felt pushed away. She felt... That Jesus is not for her sort of people. If that story resonates with you tonight. Can I please ask for your forgiveness. If either explicitly or implicitly. You've been made to feel unwelcome in churches. Maybe even our church. Have you ever got the impression that you have to have a a certain level of morality before you can even come along and think about your Christian things? That you you can't have a messy life and you can't suffer addictions and you can't have a difficult marriage or relationship and you can't have naughty children. Have you ever been made to feel like that? I'm so sorry. If, If Christians have treated you in that way, it actually reveals that they've not begun to understand why Jesus has come. So yeah, here is a sinner shut off from seeing the Saviour. But in stark contrast to the crowds, here's our second point. Our Saviour seeks supper with sinners. Look at verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly now Luke's being really clever here. he's really sort of whipping the rug from under our feet every every single rich man whom we've met in Luke's gospel so far is ended badly for them so think of the parable of the rich fool you know builds bigger barns he dies Um, think of the the rich man Lazarus he dies Uh, think of the rich ruler who meets Jesus Jesus says sell your possessions and follow me but he goes away sad Throughout Luke, the rich are the oppressors, and Jesus is the liberator of the poor. So we're expecting Jesus to really lay into Zacchaeus, just like everyone else. What we don't expect is that Jesus to ask to come to his house for tea. No, I'm sorry, he doesn't ask, does he? He demands, I must stay at your house today. It's urgent, in fact. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. It's funny. Zacchaeus thought he was the one seeking Jesus out. He would have been happy of just seeing Jesus from afar. But no, it is Jesus who actively seeks out Zacchaeus. He even knows his name. No wonder Zacchaeus is filled with joy there in verse 6. Because where, where others steered away from him, Jesus steers towards him. Where others shunned him, Jesus wants to go home with him. Now in the ancient Near East, it's, it's kind of the same today, today, in fact. In the ancient Near East, eating with someone is, is a powerful sign of acceptance. It's, it's a powerful symbol of, of saying, yeah, I'm with you. I'm friends with you. I love you. It's just, Jesus isn't begrudgingly putting up with Zacchaeus. He's actively embracing him. Now as you can imagine, this, this doesn't go down at all well with the crowd. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. You can almost, you can almost taste the bile on their words, can't you? They were told the explicit reason why previously they pushed him away. They wouldn't let him through. They think Jesus is heading to Jerusalem to kick out the Romans. So why would he have any time whatsoever for this immoral, unrespectable, rich traitor when he's going to kill off the Romans? They've misunderstood his mission. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem to die on a cross and there, with arms stretched open wide, he's dying to welcome sinners. People like Zacchaeus, people like me, people like you. And this is what the Bible calls grace grace is God's free, undeserved love for sinners. And the world does not understand it. Our world is run by if you're good, you get in. If you're good enough for the lion's tour, you get in. If you don't, like Scotland, you're on the bench or you're excluded altogether. They think everything must be paid for, they think everything must be earned. But Zacchaeus, he's done absolutely nothing to warrant Jesus' interest and kindness. Grace is powerful, and grace changes people. See, in an instant, Zacchaeus went from being an enemy of the kingdom to being a friend of the king. And that change in allegiance, it it, it results in a change in the way he wants to live. Just look at verse 8. Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my gift. Possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, now Zacchaeus isn't virtue signalling here. Have you heard of virtue signalling? People do it all the time. So on Facebook, they say, "I'm uh, I'm running a marathon for charity. You can uh, you can support me if you want to support my charitable efforts." And uh, or businesses do it, don't they? They say I, I came across on the radio. There's a company saying. Um, we sell mattresses. For every ten mattresses that you buy, we're going to give one to charity. And I'm thinking, well, that's lovely, but the only reason they're telling us this is how ethical they are as a company. They're virtue signalling. So you might think, isn't that what Zacchaeus is doing? Look, everyone, I am worthy of Jesus because look how amazingly generous that I am. No. no Zacchaeus is not addressing everyone. He's addressing the Lord Jesus alone. And in response to that, Grace he's been shown, he now wants to change. His repentance isn't coerced, it's freely offered. His self imposed penalty is not minor, four times the amount. That's radical. His generosity isn't begrudging, it's joyful. So Zacchaeus is completely different to every other rich man we've met so far. In Luke's gospel, unlike the rich fool who keeps on digging bigger barns, bigger barns, bigger barns, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is rich towards God. Unlike the rich man who ignores Lazarus, Zacchaeus shows concern for the poor. Unlike the rich ruler who can't sell his possessions, goes away sad, Zacchaeus sells his possessions with a with a big, fat smile on his face. See, grace changes people. But I can't stress this enough. Change is not what pays for grace. Jesus emphasized that in verse 9, doesn't he? Look at verse 9. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the really upright. No, sorry, it doesn't say that, does it? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. As we heard at the start of our service, the Son of Man is, is the one from Daniel 7 to whom has been given all power over all people for all time. If you had that power, what would you do? Jesus uses it to seek and save messed up people well, it's a kiss. Jesus is that good shepherd from Ezekiel 34. He came to seek and save the lost sheep of Israel, which includes Zacchaeus, the traitor, and includes Andy, the sinner, and includes you. As I close, there are three applications for us. You'll see them on there on your sheets. First of all, I want to encourage you to come and eat with Jesus. I don't know, you might be here tonight and you, you still feel like that child left on the playground, unwanted, undesired, unloved. Perhaps who you are, uh, perhaps because of the things you've done, the things you might let run through your mind. You're wondering how anyone could love you, let alone the holy God of the Bible. What I want you to see today is that nothing could be further from the truth. Today, Jesus is calling you by name because he knows your name and he's saying, I must stay at your house today. Jesus desires you. Jesus wants you, yes, you. No matter what you are, no matter who you are, what you've done, he invites you to come eat with him. That's why we're, we're running this, this Christianity Explored course uh, starting at, at, at the beginning of June. Perhaps for yourself, you would find out a helpful way of saying, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I've got big questions. I'd love to explain that to you and share that with you. Please put those dates in your diary. Come along to this Christianity Explored course. Find out more because Jesus wants to eat with you. He wants life with you. And he offers you to that, free, that to you freely. The second application here, if we we're already begun following Jesus, is to change for Jesus. Because I guess if we've understood the love that we've been shown, then it's going to impact the way that we live, isn't it? Like Zacchaeus, we're going to want to change. We're going to find ways to change. Not to pay for our salvation, but in response to it. So I don't know, it might be that the Lord is putting his finger on an era of your life where you think i know i I know i need to change in this way maybe it is in the way which we use our money perhaps we 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 are stealing somehow um, being fraudulous or dishonest somehow or maybe the way we use our resources i don't know but having been shown this grace we want to change Uh, we'll develop this point next week as jesus goes on to tell a parable but but um but here's that point there. We, we want to change for Jesus, don't we? But finally, here's the point I want us to land on. Will we welcome like Jesus? Because here's the thing, right? How we treat others is the barometer of whether we've understood Jesus' mission. See, if you think Jesus has just come for good, moral, upright, educated, middle-class people, who are you going to welcome? Good. Upright, middle class, educated people. If you think Jesus has only come for somebodies, you're not going to have any time for nobodies. But if you realize that Jesus has come for everybody, then you're going to welcome everybody. Let me tell you a story of a man called Lawrence. Lawrence lived in the 3rd century in Rome. He was what's called a deacon of the church. He was responsible for... Uh, for taking money off people and then uh, distributing it amongst the poor in, in the church and in the third century there was a massive wave of persecution uh, sort of going over the, the city of rome the bishop had just been killed lots of church pastors are being killed Laurence knows is coming his way so he ends up being extra generous giving all the, the church funds away to the poor because he knows the roman authorities are going to come any day and take them off him and sure enough one day the roman officers come to the church where he's the deacon they kick down the door and say give us your money we know you're rich Give us all the money. And Lawrence is terrified. He says, all right, okay, at least give me three days to sort of collect it together, and and then I'll I'll, I'll give you the the treasure. So sure enough, um, the, the soldiers come away, and three days later, they return. And there's Lawrence. And instead of being surrounded by piles of gold and silver, Lawrence is surrounded by the poor and the blind, and the lame, and sinners. And he says to soldiers, here's the treasure of the church. And then dragged him outside and burned him alive. But here's the question. Do we treasure what Jesus treasures? I guess motivated by this amazing love that we've been shown, we have the capacity to take people People who feel unwanted and show them that they are wanted. Friends, you have the ability to take people into your homes, people who feel unloved and show them that they are loved. People who have no family and and be their family. Friends, you each have homes. You each have uh, flats or houses. You each eat meals, most of you, three times a day. Do what Jesus does. Welcome like him. In the first place, do this amongst yourselves. Do this with your small group. You have a whole day. Sunday, the Lord's Day, to do this on. But I encourage you, do this wider. Open up your home. Because the treasure of the church is not the building. It's not the bank account. It's people. People matter. Let's pray. your endless mercy follows me. Your goodness will lead me home. Father God, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Who extends mercy to sinners. Sinners like me. Sinners to my brothers and sisters here. Thank you Lord for welcoming us into your home. Thank you Lord for the grace and love you've shown us. And please put it on our hearts to extend that love and grace to others the treasure of the church. In Jesus' name, amen.